Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Todd, how are you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about you, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Good, good. How's life up in the frozen tundra of the north? It's not frozen, so it's good now. <laughs> awesome. We, uh, yeah, I know spring is kind of coming. Actually, we're supposed to hit, I, I don't know the conversion off, off the top of my head, but this weekend we're supposed to get like 27 Celsius, which is, I, I don't know, nice. just guessing. Yeah, maybe up like mid 80s, something like that. So I'm stoked. And uh, this is a time of year, like, so this morning, like I had an alarm set for 4.30. I got up at 4.30 and by five o'clock, you could see outside. Like it gets bright so early here. And uh, man, it, it you know, summertime, there's always so much to do, right? You want to get on your yard projects, your honeydew list, your, and then you're getting ready for all the summer chores. Like I'm still not mowing grass weekly, but um, I find that spring, I love it. And it, I have way more energy, but I'm also more tired because I, I'm doing more because like, even if I wanted to sleep in by six o'clock, our room is bright as daylight just because it gets bright early and I'm, I'm starting to feel that where it's like, there's so many things to do and the honeydew list, it just gets bigger, even though you're working harder at it than you have been for months, but it's good. I'm uh, it's good to be outside and getting stuff done, but I'm feeling tired. I'm, this has been a long week, a lot of stuff happening, but uh, how about you? Uh, you know, I had a, a little back procedure on Monday uh, our town ran out of gas on Wednesday. Oh, I was meaning to ask. Tuesday, yeah. We can get to that. I, w- I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I mean, literally, Monterey, Tennessee ran out of gas. So, um, so we've been seeing that all over the news, like in the states, like the, basically the United States of America doesn't have gasoline. What the no, heck is going in, on? It's it's localized in the southeast from one delivery pipeline that got hacked. Um, oh, really? Mo- you know, so if you're not. Uh, Florida, Virginia, North Carolina got hit the hardest. But if you're like us, we have a Shell station and another uh, gas station that's local, locally owned, private. So they use uh, independent dealers. Just so happens the Shell uh, delivery system is the delivery that the – independent users as well so the same trucking company yeah they get theirs from the same pipeline and you know so our whole town ran out of gas now you know cookville crossville they had it but not every place had it but they had it um oh i can just imagine it's getting better now but that's good you know i've been waiting on something like this to happen for oh 20 years because uh, when we first got into security and cyber and national security, stuff like that, I was horrified how woefully unprepared the West is for any kind of infrastructure or cyber terrorism. Yeah. I mean, um, my home computer with Norton antivirus is 
more secure than what got hacked. Hmm. Now, that's a very, very much an oversimplification, but you know, yeah, because anytime you have uh, an old system, an old infrastructure, where some of your uh, relays and switching lines run off of telephone lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they're open to hacking. It's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And it caused it caused billions, if not more, to change all that stuff. So, on one hand, I understand it. On the other hand, I don't understand it. You know, I don't. Yeah. You you know it's interesting because when, when you kind of mention that you talk about that stuff, you know, I, I used to really be interested in prepping. I still am, but maybe not quite as zealously as I used to be. And I used to only watch like prepping videos on YouTube. And it's it's very true. Like I think a lot of people are a little bit crazy. You know, if you watch the Doomsday Preppers TV show and stuff, and the, there's the one guy who, uh, he, so he's married, but his wife was a twin. And part of their preps is that the, the twin moved in with them in case she died. <laughs> He would have his twin sister just to take over. There's some weird, uh, twisted stuff going on there. But the one thing that the preppers all say, and it's true, is that our system is so incredibly fragile. You know, our our banking system, our grid, our water. And it's true. Like, like, you know, we used to have a little hand pump. I was the Niemi pump or whatever for a well. And so, and it did a good job. Like, I forget how many gallons a minute, but it was decent. Um, when we first moved out here and we put our fifth wheel here, we didn't have electricity and, uh, I could fill up the holding tank in our fifth wheel in, in like less than 10 minutes. Right. So, I mean, you could pump for 10 minutes a day and have enough water for the entire day. To me, that's a fairly efficient manual system. Um, but I don't have that anymore. And so if we lose power, I, I don't have running water. Right. I mean, our, it is in, in, incredible how, uh, like I say, how fragile these systems are and how dependent they are. And, and when things go wrong, like, you know, some guy hacks a thing, boom, nobody has gasoline. I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's a great system. It's so wonderful because like, literally I just go and I turn a switch on and boom, I have lights in my house. You know, before that happened, it was like, okay, we got to get oil or kerosene. We got to keep wicks, uh, candles, uh, a lot of work. Right, uh, they're messy. They're more dangerous, but at the same time, they are entirely self-sufficient. They're independent, right? Like anything can go on in the world, and I could still light my house up with the old ways of doing it. Um, uh, you know, yeah. it's inter- interesting to think about. If people had to make their own, you know, you get your bees, and then you make your, you know, they make honey, then you steal it. And then you separate the honey and the wax, and then you take the wax and you make candles. Yeah. How many people could do that? You know. Yeah, yeah. That's a, I think you know that's the one thing I think a lot of preppers miss is that well, it depends. I, I guess there's some like I I still consider myself a practical prepper, uh, in that you know okay what's likely to happen to me. Well, first of all, in the wintertime, it's likely that I might go off the road. So I, you know, when we go to town and it's like really cold, the kids all have to bring their toques, their mittens, a jacket. So that if we had to sit in our vehicle for like two hours while a tow truck came there, we're not all going to, you know, we're not in t-shirts. 
uh, tow trucks, like tow straps, batteries, uh, stuff like that, first aid kit in every vehicle. I do have all that stuff, and I am prepared that way. And then, you know, beyond that, so many preppers, it's like, oh, I got this new bug out bag and I got all these sidearms and I've got all these knives and I've got all this, all this, all this, but then they don't focus on the skills, right? Um, like we picked up bees, uh, on Monday. We, so we've got our beehive and we had one before, but you know, with the building of the house, we didn't have time for it, but we want to get back into it. First of all, you actually, it's amazing how much honey you generate, but it's a skill that I want to learn that I want to have. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the best things you can do for yourself, not even from a prepper standpoint, but learn how to do some simple things. You know, the, try to take some of your life back so you're not relying on other people. Yeah, oh, my God, no. We're the government. We have to make all of that stuff illegal. Yeah, yeah. So you can't, you have to rely on, you know, Uncle Sugar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's uh, and uh, I I liked a lot of uh, you you know, do you ever watch prepper channels on YouTube? I used to watch a couple, but like you, you know, they're they're like the ones on TV. They're either over dramatizing because you know that's what the producers want, or they're just genuinely crazy. I'm like, yeah, no, this is stupid. No, I don't. I don't need to know how to make an Archimedes mirror. I need to know how to find water. Yeah. What What is an Archimedes mirror? Or is it complicated? A very ancient weapon that never really existed. But, you know, some fable book somewhere said Archimedes had one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think too, like I, I, I heard it being said like different podcasts and places. Um, you know, when when the pandemic hit last year, so this time last year, people couldn't find uh, toilet paper. Uh, meat was at a great shortage. Like everything, you know, it's funny because I was rototilling our garden last night, getting ready to plant it, and uh, we have rows of onions that came up this spring that we planted last spring, but everything was delayed, right? We couldn't get seeds. We ended up putting our garden in like two months late last year because everything was sold out because there was all a panic and stuff. Um, and I remember people saying, oh, every prepper's sitting back laughing, going, ha, 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 right? Because it was a crazy thing. It was like the weirdest thing that we've ever been through. And like supply chains were actually not compromised, but they were threatened to the point where they weren't allowed to supply what they once were, you know? Um and, you know, those people, I always think about the people that have like 10 years worth of food storage and stuff. It's like, you know, I wonder what, what they were thinking when this was going on, you know, or they're probably well, like, I oh, I can eat this crab now. Ugh. I figured out some of the localized um, beef shortage that people were like, how can we be short of beef? You know, just all every from the farmer to the grocery store, every job in between is essential so how can we be out of beef? Mm-hmm. well uh here's why and i got this great right from the some again this is localized so small beef producers that take it to auction the large meat producers buy them all up you know take them all anyway and my numbers are going to be 
fictitious because I don't buy and sell beef um, on the hoof. So mm-hmm. <laughs> let's just say this yearling you can sell for three hundred bucks to the hamburger maker, right? Well, in the pandemic, everybody was like, "Oh my God, we're out of meat. I I need to raise my own cattle." You know. Well, the uh, ranchers decide, you know, the local small ranchers figured out that, oh, wait, now I can sell it for $300 to the meat guy, or now we have all these top-not weirdos that um, want to try to be farmers overnight. Mm-hmm. I can sell it to them for 1000 Yeah. And... Uh, this local guy said he made 12 times his normal annual beef production income. Wow. Gross. Wow. In 2020. Yeah. That's crazy. I'm a, congratulations. Good for you. you yeah. Know, you yeah. Know, I'm glad that you were able to... Uh, Exploit the top knots, yeah. you know. God, I exploit the top knots. I like how you put that. <laughs> <laughs> um, have I mentioned to you about that stop the knot video? Yes. Okay. Anyways, that's a sidetrack. Um, I know, and that's how it is being with everything. Like you know, we talked about motorcycles and how everything's so expensive. And now, oh, uh, my wife showed me this little picture. And this guy's got a handful handful of uh, toothpicks. And uh, yeah, got lumber (laughs) seeds, five bucks a piece. (laughs) Don't lowball me into what I got. I know what I got. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's so funny. I love how he calls them lumber seeds. (laughs) 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 Not tree seeds, lumber seeds. But yeah, it's funny. uh, You you know what's interesting? A buddy of mine posted a meme saying he, he maxed out his Lowe's credit card to build his new deck. And it's just this tiny thing that covers one window. (laughs) And I said, you know, just sell one box of nine mil. It'll cover it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Hey, that's true. Yeah, it's it's insane. And no, 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 this is funny because I have projects that are on hold. (laughs) You do too. Because I need lumber, but I'm not going to pay this crazy prices for it. Yeah, it's got to come down, don't you think? I don't know. Well, you know, like Canada is just in a hyperinflation mode. So it doesn't come back from that. I mean, it well, has to correct itself. I was itself listening to depression. an economist uh, about this. Uh, he's on the level with like a Dave Ramsey, but he's not Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does nothing but commodities. You know, that that's what form of economist he is. Yeah. And he was talking about lumber and food and petroleum and... Yes, it will bounce back, but not like we think it should. Not like it's not going to go back to normal. No. Um, the problem with things like this is that the uh, the storefront get a taste of these new prices, and they don't want to mm. roll back. You know. Yeah. Yeah. If we have a 100% increase in prices, we might roll back 50%, but we're not going to roll back, you know, yeah. the 
to what it used to be. So I'm like. Just like governments uh, in power. I, I hate Lowe's and yeah. You know, once you take a freedom, you'll never get it back. Once mm-hmm. you raise lumber prices, you'll never get it back. Yeah. Um, fuel prices, he said, are the only thing that's immune to that because prices are regulated. Oh, okay. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, that well, it was pretty funny because he said if you're paying more than ninety cents a gallon for ninety one octane, everything above that is tax. Yeah, yeah. Because it's regulated. You cannot sell it for more than that, yeah. except with taxes. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, yeah. I knew that a long time ago, and I forgot it because you want to push things like that out of your head so you don't, you know, kill people. But Yeah, exactly. So we've got our wonderful carbon tax that is literally going to save the planet from impending doom. Uh, and Said no one ever. Oh, no. Uh, smart. The, you know, the, yeah, the masses—they just got this Kool-Aid fountain. They're, Look, they're literally the can't believe breathe. that. You know, normal human beings should not believe that. Yeah, but it is like every week it goes up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, um, to the point where what they because they gave a uh, they laid it out and they said by the end of 2021 or was it 20? Yeah, what the tax is going to be, and I think to fill up my van was gonna end up it'll end up costing me about 50 bucks more every time i fill it up at the end of 21 than the beginning of 21 because of this tax right um and then kind of tying all that in we were talking about beef and, and beef production you know when the pandemic hit beef production increased right people were trying to as, as much beef as possible the meat shortage blah 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 that that actually went increased it didn't slow down at all but people driving significantly was reduced because people weren't allowed to go to work. And there's a direct correlation between the greenhouse gas emissions from driving your vehicle. During the pandemic, when it was all starting, people were locked down, the greenhouse gas emissions went way down. And everybody's been blaming it on cow farts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where we, we increased cow production, beef production, and all these sustainable living people like are so against beef because they're so terrible. And I understand the certain... Uh, you know, natural resources that are required to produce one pound of beef. It's not the most efficient meat out there. Uh, but from like, everybody says, oh, it's all bad. These greenhouse gas emissions, the cows are destroying our ozone layer. Not even in the slightest bit. It was, it's a motor vehicle, right? Like that's what pollutes the air way more than beef does. Can I just a- say that prior to, you know, the 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 Indian Wars here in America and prior to the white man moving past moving west of the Mississippi and north of whatever um, what, what did they say about 35 percent or 40% of the Great Plains literally was stacked with bison. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure they fart too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, just saying, people, there were more bison than we have in cows. Yeah. By far. And, yeah, no, you're stupid. Move on. Yeah, and that was all natural, right? Like that wasn't a uh, man induced. That wasn't industry induced. That was like 
a- animals in an environment that's obviously very, you know, pristine. Well, that, here, they didn't have um, natural predators like they needed. Yeah. Because they're mean. Yeah. And they're, I, I don't think they have a brain except that operates their motor skills. I, I don't think they have the, um, you know, because some animals can reason. I yeah. don't think that bison are, I think they're lower than a tadpole in intelligence. But yeah, anyway. they don't seem that bright. But you in know a mean, um, <clears throat> I've seen one charge a stump. They can be. That's the weird thing. I, th- I think their behavior is very unpredictable. Yeah. Um, well, in, uh, we were up in uh, Yellowstone, and uh, this woman was, uh, one was blocking the road, and she did the one thing you're never supposed to do. You know, blowing your horn, yelling at it. Yeah. And it walked over to the her side of the car, right up to her window, like, hey, what's up? And she's all like, oh, isn't it cute? Isn't it cute? And then it swung that head, turned it in that horn, right through her car door and her leg. Hmm. Right up, right by the hip joint. Yeah. That's and, crazy. you know, the Rangers are going to come out, you know, EMS and all that, learn a life flighter. But, you know, there's signs everywhere. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. I know she did try to sue um, Lost. I mean, it got thrown out day one, but. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure the bison <clears throat> didn't have enough in his bank account to sue. But. <laughs> yeah, sue an animal. You know, I got, uh, it's pretty cool. The unfortunate thing is I can't share these photos, but one of the coolest wedding photos I took, uh, it was in Saskatchewan, and we were probably 10 minutes from the U.S. border. Uh, there's a big, like, reserve, and there's a very large population of bison, wild bison that have, like, you know, they've been free for, uh, as far as people can tell. And it's this native prairie grasses that haven't been touched, and so... The reason I can't share these pictures is because uh, the groom was an undercover cop in a you know a very specific unit in a very specific city. And anyways, <laughs> wonderful comp- couple, like really great people. They're they're they grew up in Southern Saskatchewan. Um, I, I was going with the brother, and we're driving in this F three fifty four that's all beat up, and just going down these gravel roads, doing eighty kilometers an hour, hundred kilometers an hour, and there's a coyote. And so we've got, there's, there's a, there's a crew cab. There's three police officers in there and me and the brother, right? And they're all undercover cops. He goes, Hey, go give me that gun. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I got a gun in my glove box. He's <laughs> like, what? Opens the glove box. Here it is. Rolls down the window and starts shooting at a coyote while he's driving. And all these three guys, there are three cops in a big city and they're all looking just like, what the heck? So this out of uh, Frontier, Saskatchewan is actually the name of the town. And he's like, oh, we don't have gun laws in Frontier. And I'm, I was blown away, too. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, in Canada, you can't just carry a handgun. Like, you can own them, but, you know, you have to belong <laughs> to a gun range. And there's, you know, uh, they used to have, like, a travel permit. So if my house was here and my gun club was here, I was only allowed to have the gun in my vehicle between A to B. And it used to be road specific. So I'd have to tell them which road <sighs> I was going to take. Yeah. You know, if I go for milk and, oh, that's off the route, I could get ticketed for that. Anyway, so that happened, but the coolest photo we got is we're on this nature conservatory driving around all these rednecks, and uh, we come across all these buffalo, and the bride was in a different truck with her girlfriends and stuff, 
And they're like, let's get some pictures with the buffalo. So they're standing at the couple, and there's uh, yeah, no, they're probably we weren't too close. I would say we're like 30, 50 yards away. I mean, they're not being stupid, right? <laughs> and, then, and then, so we get these couple of them and blah, blah, and then the whole group of people. And then she goes, can we do one that I really want to do? I'm like, what is it? So she told her brother, the bride told her brother, said, go get the gu- go get your hunting rifles. <laughs> so it was behind the truck. And so I got a picture of her in her wedding gown with, I think it was a 700 Remington, shouldered, staring down the scope, <laughs> pointing it right at a buffalo. <laughs> Like, what is this? this? Is like a wedding photographer? Did she's out on the prairies shooting a, bu- a bison in her wedding gown? I was like, this has got to be one of the greatest wedding photos I've ever taken. It is hilarious. You just you'd say, and that reminds me of it. It's like, man, I, I'll see if I can find that. I'll text it to you because I can share it with that you. That is awesome. Yeah, it was a cool, and there's a whole herd of them, like a bunch of them behind. There's one that was a little close, and so, so it looks like she's just out there about to shoot a buffalo in her wedding dress. Ah, these people are my kind of people. <laughs> when I was cool. up there, uh, a bison was hit by a vehicle. Yeah. Oh my God, they got fined for really? running into it, having the nerve to hit a bison that run, walked out in front of them. Because uh, they, were, the protection laws were different then. Mm. Uh. And it was on a reserve, so there's that. Anyway, yeah. um, the the animal had to be put down. And I'm not saying anything bad about a, a species here, people, so don't get wrong. I'm just saying that one person, one particular ranger w- was squeamish about wanting to put this uh, uh, bison down because it was so cute. I'm like, well, it's also suffering. Uh, yeah. So the ranger, you know, was like, would you mind? No, because if you don't do it, I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, huh. I had to put it out of its misery. and Really? Oh, God. Do they do anything with the meat? The natives uh, have oh, first okay, yeah. right of first refusal. Oh, okay. Because it was in the, the Federal Reserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah makes sense. If it was just in the state of Montana, you can... You hit it, you just have to report it, and then you can take the meat. Now, it has to be an accident. Yeah. They will come look if it's a bison. I got three moose on the weekend. (laughs) Look at the bumper I just put on my truck. (laughs) It flips them and skins them at the same time. They just land in the box of my truck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Kurtz, why do you have a... A dozer blade on the front of your truck. <laughs> Snow plow. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I've heard here too, certain places, I think that's a great idea. They'll, uh, you can't take it yourself, but it can be donated to local food banks. Or is it in Alaska or something? Because yes. they that's what they wanted. They didn't want people just being like sweet, like especially in Alaska. I mean, there's a lot of crazies that move up to Alaska because they want to be away from it. And so if there's any roadkill, it's illegal to harvest it yourself. But, you know, it's like, okay, there's there's an animal. It's dead. It's got 300 pounds of good meat on it. It would be wrong just to let that go to waste. Yeah, in Alaska, you, you, you can put your name on a list with the state police. Mm-hmm. And if the, there's roadkill in that area, they just go down the list, call you if you want it, come get it. Huh, that's cool. But you got to be on the list. Yeah. 
and it's whatever region it's in, whatever area it's in, um, you know, it's like if they call you, it's come get it, not, well, I'll be there in a couple of, no, okay, never mind. They call the next person on the list. Yeah, get cleaned up right away. And also, I mean, it's not necessarily going to be the best meat. depends how quickly the animal died. You know, an animal that's in stress, man, they don't taste that good. No, they do not. Um, Like, I talk really sweet to mine. You know, give it some Valium, make sure it's all relaxed, and then (laughs) I kill it. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, we have uh, a neighbor. I I don't think she would ever listen to this, but uh, we used to let her pasture. And I say used to, but it's not going to happen this year. But every summer until now, she's pastured horses out in our field. You know, because we got like eight eight acres at the back we don't use, and it's fenced off. And it's nice because she knocks the grass down. Her horses do. Uh, this year the boys have a dirt bike track, so I don't think that'll work. But I just thought, you know what, it, first of all, it really benefits me because then the grass is cut down all summer, and I don't have this massive fire hazard. To me, prairie looks beautiful when it's grazed. Like when it's just pasture that animals are, are grazing on, they've got enough that everything's green, but it's short. I love that look. And... um so, but she always tries to repay us with beef from her cows, and at least several times a year we'll drive by their place, and there'll be a dead cow on its back. Um, yeah, you know, so you the, never know. Yeah, and then and a lot of times, you know, the the the, the dead animal wagon comes and picks it up, right? Like they just the guy I've seen them there numerous times a year, but she gives us ground beef, and I thought, you know, ground beef, whatever you can season it, man. We tried two packages of it, and we could not get it to not be just, like, it turns your stomach. You know, it smells worse than gamey. Like, I've eaten a lot of wild game. Uh, man, bad, bad, bad it meat. Sounds rancid, almost. Yeah, not, like, you can tell it's not any, but it's like, if that if that cow was, like, really old, or, I don't know, man, just, like, the the worst beef I've had in my life, and she gives us grocery bags of it and i feel so bad yeah last last time she brought it over we just went and got a garbage bag and put it all straight into there and took it to dump and i feel terrible but like literally i wouldn't feel right serving that at like a soup kitchen because it is it makes you kind of go like when you when you smell it cooking and it's like oh it's so bad you know what you should do what's that you shouldn't Make a a wonderful meatloaf out of it, give it and give her. it to a certain person that only likes phone calls. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a peace offering. You know, I know. Yeah. You know, we've had some uh, some strained relation in the past. You know, like to you know give you this meatloaf as a you know peace offering. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I would never try to make peace. No, we were just talking before we're a call about some, Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It was bad news. But um, so that's the thing. Like, you know, you kill an animal on the side of the road. Um, you know, there's always potential that it might be really nasty. If it's been suffering for a long time, like you said, somebody had to, like, finally come along and dispatch it. But sometimes you kill an animal, boom, they're like, and they're done. You know, rigor mortis is setting in. Um. I've been lucky that way. Every animal I've, and I haven't killed like hundreds or anything, you know, the, cause I, I'm not one of those guys. I, I hunt for meat, yep. only meat. 
I don't care about hanging nothing on my wall. Um, there's only one animal I would like on my wall. Two, actually, two. And they're both in the gazelle family. One's a Thompson gazelle out of Abraga, but I would still eat it. And then one's a, a pronghorn antelope. Uh, the one I shot in Montana, I, you know, lucky enough to take a headshot because I wanted it not to suffer. I wanted it dead. And uh, they're tiny anyway, you know. I don't want to ruin. Oh, yeah. I don't want to ruin my little shish kebab thing. <laughs> that's that's so, right. You're lucky if you get 40 pounds off those guys. And uh, But, oh, my God, it's some of the best meat in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, particularly if you – now, all the meat is good, but when you make antelope burger, and then it's so lean, you have to cut it with fat. We mm-hmm. use uh, beef fat. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. It's the best hamburgers I've ever had, ever, yeah. anywhere in the world. Huh. Uh, ooh, man. Yeah, so that's good. Like, I, f- I find the same thing with with venison. Like, when I've got my deer, uh, they've all been with a bow, and I've been very lucky every time. They've been super fast deaths, and so the meat is so delicious. And uh, say, well, we cut ours with pork, uh, which is ground pork, and yeah. uh, man, it's so good. Yeah, hey, I've heard that, of, and I've that? never tried it myself. What's that? The cutting your venison with ground pork. It's good. Because you get that, like, pork has its own characteristics and flavors. and t- I love it. Oh, man, I like it. And if you use the white meat pork. Yeah. It doesn't really have its own flavor. Yep. It's a very benign meat, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and, it, like, and it, but it brings a texture and a fat content to venison that it needs. So, yeah, actually a pretty yeah. good idea now that I think about it. And the venison still shines. Like, you can still taste the, the red meat. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, you know, it's like it's not overpowered by beef or something like that. But um, have you ever heard of the Meat Eater podcast? I've heard of it. Uh, never listened to it. Dude, I like it. I've started listening to it in the last month or two. They have long ones and uh, very wide gamut of subject matter. Obviously, most of it's pertaining to hunting, um, that type of stuff, but... It's actually pretty good. I'd, uh, I'm going to put that out as a recommendation. I mean, not that people need it. It's a fairly, those guys are famous, right? I mean, that's one of the bigger podcasts. Yeah. Whatever you the, do, don't listen to this one. Go yeah. listen to Meat Eater. That's, that's right. <laughs> you may have heard of Meat Eater. I'm not sure, but we're going to give them a little leg up here. <laughs> a recommendation. Yeah, there's another one. It's very low. No one knows about it, but it's really great. The Joe Rogan Experience. Yes. Yeah, you can listen to that one too. Maybe we'll help Joe out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I like some of Joe Rogan's podcasts. Some of them I don't like. He's a little bit of a whack nut to me. Like Yeah, he's he's ooh. an absolute doorknob, but he's brilliant because some of his doorknob is all fake. It's just for the show. Yeah. He learned yeah. that a long time ago from another radio show. Um back when he was doing just strictly stand up, some acting, um it was in between his UFC gigs and uh, no, it was before his UFC gig. And, uh, uh, he, he, he learned of some very valuable lessons from that radio show. Uh, and now he's using them and wow, is he successful? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, now some of his conspiracy theories, he actually believes. Yeah. And, oh my God. One of the old, uh, one of the guys I was in Africa with the second time is actually 
one of his security guards. Well, oh, okay. used to be, used to be. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, you go to work on a Monday and you get Joe Rogan, great guy, you know, man, man, you go to work the next day and you get Looney Tune. Hmm. You just, it depends on how much weed he smokes Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. what variety and whatever else he does, you know? Yeah. Um, like if he does shrooms, they just don't go to work that day. Yeah. Psychedelics, man. That's so weird. Um, there's another, he said he, um, uh, he fired everyone that worked for him one day. Not no one believed him, but he yeah. fired everybody. And cause it was only, he was on shrooms and he was just, Oh my God, he got, uh, it, normally they said, and I don't know, I'm just repeating, um, what one guy said, uh, that he was, he always got, you know, to be that weird, deep thinking guy. when he did shrooms, mm-hmm. you know, Oh wow. Have you ever considered how, you know, you know, go in deep thinking about the universe. And then sometimes you might get the wrong mushroom or whatever. And he just goes off the deep end on paranoia. Hmm. So I have a question. What are mushrooms? What are shrooms? Are they like actual just mushrooms that you find in the wild? Yes. Um, I used to know the name of them by heart, but I don't. Because you have peyote and then you have a kind of mushroom that's a psychedelic um i've actually seen one not in the wild because i've never been to that part of the southwest uh well i've been over it i've never been to it uh, we used to fly over it all the time anyway um it looks like a well it looks like a shriveled up gonad but <laughs> do they do they eat them dried or Fresh? It depends. Um, do you eat them or you smoke you them? Can, yes. Yes, what? Yes. Um, you can You can eat them. You can yeah. grind them up and smoke them with something else. Huh. You know. Uh, That's crazy. Oh God, mushrooms are his weird. Name? Uh, George Carlin was a big, he was into mushroom. Oh, was he? And one of his uh, uh, interviews with High Times Magazine Back in the day, it was recorded for an album. It was never released, and I've it's been bootlegged on a couple of places. And I listened to it once, many, many, many moons ago, uh, and he was talking about mushrooms. And oh my, he just went off like on his four letter word tirade, but on the kinds of ways you can do mushrooms. Huh? It was crazy. Uh, one of his favorites is cooking them in food. Oh wow, that's weird. Um, Cause he didn't like really smoking things because he had that throat problem, mm. you know, after a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's weird. Like, so the mushrooms, the plant, like they're delicious. I'm a huge fan. You've got so many of them. They add a lot to cooking. Well, it's funny that they don't really, but they do. They enhance stuff, not with the flavors, but with the textures and stuff. And then you've also at the one end, you've got the kind of you eat them and you're going to die <laughs> like yeah. poison mushrooms. And then, oh yeah, it's food roulette, man. Yeah, and then I've got these ones that'll just get you like mess with your brain. They're such a weird little critter, those mushrooms, you know. Have you ever had moral mushrooms? Morels, what they call them? Yeah, yeah. I've never had them. Are they good? Yeah, I, I want them, and I think because they're just so sought after, and 
you know what I mean? Like, oh, let's go morel hunting. and We've got see. them around here. Do the you? problem is we also have the one that looks exactly like it, except for one little difference, but that one will kill you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't know enough about it. Um, I used to work with a girl, uh, Joanne, that, uh, I mean, she was she would mushroom hunt it every weekend. Yeah. All right. Yeah. She's also insane. But, okay. Yeah. Um, I I hope those things are mutually exclusive because I do enjoy a mushroom. Yeah. Now, some not- of the some of the more those yellow Asian mushrooms um, feel like I'm trying to eat a rubber ball, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't like them. But uh, shiitakes are you can get them and they're good or they're bad. Yeah. You know. Uh, I love portobellos, but they're just. Uh, Fancy grown-up white mushroom, anyway. So. Yeah, you can use them as a nice portobello burger. Or, um, My uh, wife used to hate the mushrooms, and now I got her hooked because I. This is how I did it: take um, either portobellos or baby portobello, dice them, and then cook them crispy. Mm-hmm. Oh man, because it just intensifies be the flavor, but they're not mushy in texture. Yeah, so it's like eating. Portobello bacon. Oh, wow, that'd be good. Mm. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get into foraging, and um, there's this uh, gentleman here. He's a professor at one of the universities. I don't know if it's like one of the universities around here, University of Alberta, Calgary. I don't know which one, but, uh, and he was a biologist, and he was like the head of, there's like some Calgary field foraging club or something like that, and it was interesting because I was kind of looking at their website. This was probably 10 years ago. And I was like, ah, this might be kind of cool. And I was listening to this radio show, this morning radio show on public radio that we have here, CKUA. And they were talking about this club. And they're just saying, tragically, their their president of the club passed away. <laughs> he was on a mushroom walk and he ended up telling people about this mushroom, said this one's safe, and he ate it and he died. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that put an end to my wanting, like I was really like, I'm going to learn how to forge mushrooms. I'm going to learn how to identify them. And then I heard this and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> if this guy's got a degree in this stuff and he leads classes and he ate the wrong one, I think it'd be too easy for me to get confused. <laughs> I'm just going to get like, if I was into mushrooms, now that we have our, this house and I've got a room down in the basement, that would be perfect for this. I would get the mushrooms that you know are safe, that you like, and just grow them myself. Yeah. You can buy, like, growing kits. You just find, like, yeah. a down log here, and you just throw it on there and grow your own mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. In fact, I still have a down log um, that the jerk never finished when he got yeah. his tools uh, repossessed. Yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear anything beyond that, other than, the, other than the fact that they all left, they got repossessed, and you never saw them again? Oh, no. He contacted me after that trying to sell me some uh, walnut logs that he had cut, but he wanted, like, high retail. Oh, wow. And we got into that text argument. Uh, well, I'm like, you paid nothing for the log. In fact, you got paid to remove them, yeah. and now you have a product that you were already paid in your pocket money to take away. So you have nothing in them. In fact, you have the opposite. You have a positive in them. Yeah. If you want to give them to me, I'll take them. If you want me to buy them for, you know, 100 bucks for the trailer, I'll take them. Because they weren't big logs. I couldn't have got, you know, cut boards out of them. 
but I could have used them for little uh, bowls or something. Yeah. But man, he's he's a uh, you know. Well, I hope I wish you and your little logs well. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. That's funny. I, and yeah. I and I had another. I had the same conversation with another guy uh, that does some uh, land clearing, and he tried the. Well, you know, I'm like, you can't convince me. Mm-hmm. You can't. You yeah. got paid to clear the trees. Yeah, they're not okay. They're technically yours, but you didn't buy them. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah, no kidding, hey. Always trying. You know, if to I went to the landowner and I had to cut them, yeah, I had to buy them by board foot, right? Mm-hmm. No, you got paid to take the trees. You moron. Yeah. I'll buy them, you know, God. But I'm not paying retail. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's expensive here. I, I mean, we, we don't have a lot of hardwoods in this part of Canada, um, like we got pine spruce and poplar. Um, but we're looking at building a coffee table and like looking at walnut or, you know, some of these nicer woods, man, I can't believe how expensive they are. Um, and then by the board foot, that's something that is like a brain scratcher for a while. It's like this much per board foot. And then I'm like, what the heck is a board foot? And you got to this by this. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, my problem is I understand board feet. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the the on the trunk board feet calculation they use. Hmm. It's just completely arbitrary. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. It's in a perfect world a tree that I forgot the what the actual anatomy of the tree is. They call it something weird, but it's the part of the trunk that's not actually down near the root, but it's um, away, far enough away from the base where you're not going to um, say the tree's bigger than it actually is overall, you know, the average, right? Okay. And they just take that, they measure across it, and then go, oh, this is how many board feet it'll yield. But no, it won't because, you, ha- you know, it's just completely arbitrary. Mm, I know they have yeah. to do it because for an average, but it just screws who's ever selling the tree. The the mill buying the tree, oh, my God, you know, they make out like a bandit. Yeah. And by the way, they're the ones that set the price. Yeah. Because board feet is a volumetric calculation. It's one foot long, one foot wide, one inch thick. Yeah. That's one board foot. Yeah. Yeah, I was was trying to fit. I always thought it was like a two-dimensional or like a square or something like with the area or like length but it's like no it's a volume a complete volume and as soon as i heard that i'm like oh that's so easy to figure out right yeah yeah but but you know you get these um like i would love to have some um straight grain clear spruce um two by say 10 two by 10 two by 12 11 foot tall oh Awesome. I'd love to um, have that as the walls for my shop, but yeah, yeah that'll never happen. Yeah. I'm um, not Bill Gates. I, yeah. Actually, no, I'm not Melinda Gates, who's going to wind up with all that money. Yeah. Um, 
we uh, so the front of our house we were gonna do one by sixes, stain them, and just something simple because we've got like a, a deck, and our cover we got a covered front deck and it's sixty feet long, and like well they just got the pressure tree of plywood and it's about four feet up in the air, five feet up in the air, and so fake stone we looked at that and that'd be like ten grand and I'm like ah that's more money than I can sink into a project like this right now, and so we're gonna just get these boards, stain them all. You know, be so easy just to nail them in, but just purely cosmetic, and it would it would look okay. You know, better than pressure treated green wood. And we we were going to do it last year. We didn't get around to it, and then we priced it this year. And with the the wood prices gone up, oh my word, it's almost getting cheaper to do fake stone again. <laughs> it's like, man, I can't believe how expensive it's getting. It's just too bad nuts. you're not closer, man. Yeah, I got I got about. Well, I have 18 acres here, but I got six acres of just stone. I mean, nice, beautiful stone. Oh, wow. I mean, this little this area of Tennessee, they're selling off by the stone. So Yeah. I remember beautiful driving architectural through there. Stone. Yeah. And you'd see people do, like, their entire, like, the front fence of their property in stone. Just stacked yeah. stone. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Oh. I want to, I'd like to do my driveway um, as it gets closer to the house. So, you know. Uh, border it with a short, uh, like a hedge wall, yep. but made out of my stone. That'd be nice. That'd be cool. I just need to find somebody that, you know, laborers to do it. Yeah. Because Todd ain't doing it. With yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I, I know exactly how to do it. I've done two in my life. Um, hated every second of it, but it taught <laughs> me a trade, you know, taught yeah. me a skill, mortar. Uh, yeah. And I don't care what anybody <clears throat> says. The a true mason will tell you, oh, laying a block wall is a lot harder because it's more. No, it ain't. Than uh, wild uh, rocks. Yeah. Hmm. Um, because I, I get what he's saying. It's more precise to do a block wall. It's like a machinist, but you have to know what you're doing to get a. A rough block, a, a rough field stone wall, mortared, and it never falls over. You know, and yeah. it actually looked like a rectangle. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know the guy that was teaching me. Um, told the guy, he says, "Well, you know why you're a mason doing block wall? You don't have the skill to do this." Hmm. And then they got into a fight. <laughs> and I, we all knew who was going to win, but it was, it was the guy that was teaching me because he was like twice the size of the other guy. That's funny. Yeah, I'd like to do. Um, we need a gate on our front property. That's one of the projects for this weekend, or not this weekend, this this summer. And I was thinking about doing like get a like eight inch diameter pipe, steel pipe, dropping that in the ground. You know, welding my you know concreting that in. Um, and then welding my hinges to that, and then around that go up with a pillar of field stone because we we've That'd got a lot beautiful. of stones too. Yeah, um, the the one thing I was wondering is like, you know, if you're doing that, and I guess you're just using concrete and mortar. I, I guess you could just put some like expanded metal around uh, the steel pipe, so at least that concrete has something to bond into. Like it'd be too hard to put rebar coming out at appropriate places that would be spaced between rocks. But I'm just wondering. I want to give some. Uh, um, take, uh, say number four rebar, 
Okay. Is that like Cut thin? small, short pieces of it, tack weld it to the pipe. So they're sticking out like um, uh, at a right angle to the post that you've got driven into the ground. Yep. Take the expanded metal uh, rebar stuff around that. Oh, that's a good idea. And then, well, that's what we did in the past, um, doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah, then uh, you can get the concrete actually in behind that expanded metal. Yeah, yeah no, so it's just idea. like hanging plaster yeah. or hanging uh, uh, stucco. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I like that. Good thing we had this conversation. And then the rebar that you weld to the pipe, if you plan it out well enough, uh, with the rock that you're laying, it could be in between the layers of the rock and then it's all tied together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. And then I think I'm going to do the, the gate itself out of aluminum. And, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't going to, cause I'm like, I can't really weld aluminum, but, um, I did a little aluminum welding this week and I figured out a few tricks that I think are going to help out. But, um, I've yeah. got some questions about that. Yeah. Uh, but go ahead. No, no, that's what pretty much it. Like, uh, if if I do an aluminum gate, I can get away with like these little twelve volt linear actuators, uh, and it'll put a lot less strain on the sagging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because my next door neighbor, um, he had one installed. This company came and did it. Uh, I think I I think we talked about it before. How they just kind of dropped it in place. Really nice system, and like I talked to him was it last week. He said, I can come over and take any dimensions I want, right? So measure up, you know, the size of actuator they have. And that way there's just a solar panel out there and a battery. You don't have to have, you don't have to run power out there. And they've had no problems. They said there's two times when we've had really bad wind where it wouldn't open. Um, But I mean, we get like stupid wind here, like 60 miles an hour winds in the spring and stuff. That's not uncommon. And I don't care what you're trying to move, (laughs) you know. That's a lot of force on gates and stuff. So uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. But just go ahead and weld it. Aluminum's not that expensive. You just get like box, like square tubing aluminum. And uh, and then same thing, you know, when you're hanging it, when you're, you know, working with so much lighter, it's going to be so easy. And then I'll probably just get all powder coated black yeah. and slap it up on there and have some fortification on the old uh, homestead. Um. Yep. But yeah, what were you going to ask about the uh, aluminum? Uh, your video you posted about that very project. Mm-hmm. I noticed in the video, and I was going to, my point in this question is, did you do it on purpose? Because if you did, it is so absolutely brilliant at triggering the trolls. Because, uh, you know, you you and I have talked about this, and then you talked about it in the video Super new to TIG welding, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, TIG weld, well, welding aluminum is difficult enough, but you're new to TIG welding, and TIG welding aluminum is sucks. Yeah. You know, and it takes a ton of practice. Yeah. And welding on any kind of social media is dangerous enough because <laughs> everybody, everybody and their freaking sister comes out to critique it. Yeah. And you had a pretty ugly-looking globby weld <laughs> on that one part, and it was in the center of your shot for I don't know how long. Yeah. It was like, hey, look, trolls, here's this weld. 
Say yeah. what you will. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was that smart, but I w- I'm not. It was um, brilliant. I noticed in the editing, I'm like, oh, man, that's bubblegum. Well, you know what? The one thing. But it it doesn't I, matter. No. And so the as reason. As long as you got the penetration and not a lot of porosity and it's strong. Yeah. I don't care what it looks like. See, my mistake. That's the that problem I, with these stack of dime weld people are. I, well, I saw one. Uh, and this is the point he was trying to make. That he made the most beautiful, and it actually won an Instagram award on one of those stupid things, this stack of dime welds, right, on yep. aluminum. It yep. was all surface weld. It, yeah. it had no penetration. Yeah. He's like, this is stupid. Don't don't pay so much attention to how it looks. Yeah. You see, the people, the thing that I've heard, and I, I've known quite a few welders, and there's quite a few of them, like, on Instagram that have been very gracious and giving me tips, which I'm, you know, I'll eat those up because I need all the help I can get. And the one thing they say is that 100% with TIG in general, but especially aluminum, is cleanliness. Yeah. And I, I thought it was just wiping down. They said, no, no, you need to take an abrasive, and you need to actually grind that top layer. You, you buy a bar of aluminum. You need to braid the surface of that off and clean that up. You can't just start yeah, throwing welds on top of that. Yeah, you got to take the oxide off, that yeah. oxide layer. Have yeah. To. And so when I welded this thing, because of the fact that it was really awkward to tack up, and like I, I didn't show it in, in the video, but it, it took me half an hour to get for me to figure out how to hold these things in place while I tack them, right? Because they're very awkward shapes. And um, the inside weld was just excellent like clean like uh, when you're done i mean they i had a few that were like maybe a stack of molten dimes they weren't super crispy super clean uh but they looked really nice the inside looks way better than the outside and what i but as a few places where i had a little much heat and it just kind of blistered a little bit on the other side so that's the side that everybody sees and so what i did is oh i'm going to clean up these blisters i shouldn't have done that i should have cleaned it up after i was done welding but when i clean that up I, you know, you, you're using an abrasive media, you're going to get abrasive down in that crack. And so I just started welding on it and I'm like, what on earth is going on? This is just like bubbling and, oh, porosity. And there's like black stuff in my welds and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, is it, like, I didn't change the settings and I was, I was really playing around with the frequency of the weld. Like at first I had too high of a frequency and this is AC TIG welding. And the higher the frequency, the tighter the arc. Right. And so if you've got a real small, fine parts, you can have a high frequency and it doesn't spread. So I, I loosened it off a bit and all of a sudden, wow, now I've got a really nice wide arc. Uh, you know, I can, I can heat up both sides of the joint evenly and that made all the difference. Um, but anyways, so, so I was welding it as just terrible welds on the outside. So I grabbed two brand new pieces of stock, uh, cleaned them up, tested out, laid down a beautiful bead, like probably the best weld I've ever had. Went back to this one, same thing, porosity, garbage and crap. Uh, I went out and bought a stainless steel wire brush, a brand new one that had never been used for cleaning rust or cleaning, you know, iron or steel. Cleaned it out, blue compressed air, wiped it with lacquer thinner, let that dry and still nothing. I think there's just too much crap in there that I couldn't get it out. And so the weld is very strong, but it looks terrible. Like, like it, and you know, it's funny because I didn't think it would look that bad. When I started, but when I started the video before I did any of the welding, I said, we'll see if we can put some bubble gum on here. <laughs> and <laughs> sure enough, I manifested a bubble gum weld, but 
it's strong and whatever. Who I don't know, but I uh, definitely learned that is that I'm definitely either going to weld the outside first or weld the inside and then go straight to weld the outside. No grinding in between because I, I contaminate it. And I could look in there and I could see little bits of stuff that I couldn't get out. And then when I'd be welding, all of a sudden you'd see it actually come up on the outside of the surface of the weld to go like this little black thing would come up. And so it would just pull all the, uh, the, the stuff out of there, surface it, and it just it would pit the weld and make it look like a piece of junk. Yeah, the oh, well. only time <clears throat> it was an emergency situation, the only time I've ever tried to TIG weld aluminum, and I've only TIG welded like eight times, period. Uh, yeah. It's something I'd never learned yet, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> again, it was dirty aluminum, but it's an emergency. And I got a glob about the size of a BB right on my breastbone <clears throat> when it exploded out from being dirty. Yeah. Oh, my God. Molten aluminum is really hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. It's it's a lot different than welding steel. Um, and I find stainless steel is actually the easiest to TIG weld because as a as a material itself, it's a lot more pure and a lot cleaner than, you know, black metal. I find stainless steel is so easy to weld. It's so predictable. It acts, I, I don't know, it's just cleaner. And then... And you know, I've heard that from... Everybody I know that has a lot of experience welding it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's nice. It's beautiful. That's what I did. Like when I was learning to TIG, I was doing a bunch of stainless trim and I got, so I was pretty good at it. Like I, I don't know, I probably did it for about a week or two, like six hours a day. And I got, so I was fairly decent at it. And then the gentleman that was teaching me, I was, I was learning under him. He said, don't get too excited though. This is the easiest TIG welding out there. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, this is easy. He said, even if you're going to like black metal, you know, from one steel to the next, you don't know exactly. They're not manufactured to the same uh, specific tolerances of ingredients. He said stainless is a much pure metal when you're buying good quality stuff, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and then and then uh, aluminum is so neat because once you kind of figure it out, it just reminds me of like chasing water, little water puddles around a plate with a straw or something. You know what I mean? Like I'll notice that one side of the joint's a little too warm. And so I'm like, oh, let's just move it this way. Just kind of rotate it. Okay, now we've got a puddle on each side. And, you know, it, it all of a sudden starts, the puddle starts swooping down. So you're not getting that bubble. It's like, oh, I'm getting too much heat. So now let's start going a lot faster. And I obviously use my foot control and stuff like that. But it is, uh, once you, and, and that was enough welds. Like I probably laid down, I don't know, maybe two, two to three feet of weld. And, you know, you do that straight it's like oh you kind of get a feel for it so i'm really excited to do more aluminum welding definitely uh need to work on my approach like what side i work on and okay it was attack this and we'll weld this and weld that you know your order of operations can be important and that's what got me <laughs> because i decided to grind uh it's something that i couldn't fully clean afterwards but it was a blast it was fun only thing i don't like about it, it's so much louder than you know dc uh tig welding Oh my God, is it loud? And then spool welding aluminum. Oh, good God, is it loud? Yeah, I, you know, I, I was oh. I was tempted to just go buy a brand new welder. Like I got my eyes on uh, what an MP210 Lincoln and a spool gun. I'm like, maybe I'll just go buy this and be done with it. But I thought I'm gonna at least try the TIG welding. I didn't think I would be able to get anything. Like, and, and for the first ten minutes, I honestly couldn't get a tack to stick. I'm like, I don't know, this is dumb. Maybe I just JB weld this, you know, but. 
That was fun. It's fun when you try hey, it was things. Something else that was in that video that I thought was um, uh, pretty cool was how you bent it. Yeah. You know, you, you're using the tools that you have at your disposal in a really brilliant manner, you know. Yeah, I didn't try to beat it out with a hammer. No, I've got this big piece of pipe and, well, a short piece of big pipe and a uh, hydraulic press. Yeah. Oh, and instead of using a clamp, you use the actual press to hold the one side of it down. Oh. And those are all afterthoughts. Like, like I honestly thought I was like I was trying to find a pipe, and I'm like, oh, and that's why I have a hard time throwing away scrap because I, I remembered I've had this is a six inch diameter, that was actually the well, like that was our well cap, but when we parked our fifth wheel over the well, it was too high, so I cut that off, and man, I've used it for a lot of different things, you know, and uh, it's so hard to because like you say, I was like, how am I going to do this? And I was planning on just like putting it over my knee and bending it, and I tried that, but it did not work. Like I couldn't move it. I thought, well, let's try this. And I thought, oh, okay, cool. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot more like uh, that whole video is nine minutes and I think I have over four hours of footage. And so, you know, the part where I'm bending it, I don't know what that was, but less than a minute probably. And I mean, I was there for about an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Like a little tweak, little tweak, little tweak. The second one went super fast, like boom. Like the first one I had to correct it and I was too much and this and that, but... Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of fun when you just have something. I had no clue how I was going to build that thing at all. But I'm like, I know I have the tools here. I don't know how to use them or what. And then, like, literally, I was just looking around, and I, I saw that, and I thought, oh, cool. And so I was walking over to my that piece of pipe. I was walking to my vice that's outside, and I thought, I can't even clamp this very well. I'm like, how can I hold on to this? And I was like, oh, I could use it, my press. And then when I saw that, I was like, why don't I just press it a little bit, you know? So. And you, you made something. Didn't even use a chainsaw. <laughs> it's like it's like you can make things without being a caveman. Yeah, yeah. Well, I used a chainsaw on the next video to install a twelve volt accessory on my motorbike. I, I take okay. a chainsaw, <laughs> chainsaw to my dash. Yeah, but actually didn't have a chainsaw, so I just grabbed a ditch witch. And I know it's not as sharp, <laughs> but I just shoved the bike into her, and she opened right up. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a table saw, so I just used this ditch cutter. Yeah, that's right. Oh man! Uh, and the other thing I want to, you know, the first project that you did on the motorbike was putting that box on the back. Yep. Um, have you had any issues at all with how it's attached to the bike? No. With with the screws not being reinforced on the inside? Because uh, I did something like that uh, on an ATV once, and it, they, they wound up ripping out very quickly because what I had to do was take the box, put it on the bike, <clears throat> take a piece of sheet metal cut to the sides of the inside, mm-hmm. put that on the inside so, you know, it spreads out the uh, yeah. force of whatever is on those fasteners farther than the polymer is. Yeah. Uh, to tell you the truth, I haven't used it a bunch. Like, I probably have three hours of riding on since I put it on. Uh, but I did the exact same thing uh, for the application you did, too, where I, you know, put on a, a – I think I did a front and a rear rack on my quad uh, when I when I had a quad. And they seem to hold fine. I put, like, large fender washers and then I use nylock nuts so that, I, and then I also use Loctite, but 
I'm not cranking. I know those things when you crank them, I can just wrap whatever it is around that bar, right? So I basically put it down till it's snug and it's not going to move. And that's where I stop. And that way, um, that way you're not deforming the plastic at all, but like, like ultimately, you know, you could, it doesn't have to too, be tight. It depends on how much weight you carry in there. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, it's a motorbike and it, it really affects the handling and stuff. I think the most weight I'd probably carry is like a couple jugs of milk, if that. Um, when I was uh, when I was young, I, uh, I moved out of my house, bought a motorbike. I wasn't allowed to own a street bike while I lived at home with my parents, so I moved out. The very next day, I drove down the driveway with my first motorbike, street bike, which was a 1981 CB750K. And uh, anyways, that's what I had. I ended up rolling my car that summer only had the motorcycle. I drove it well into October. I remember driving to work a couple times when it was like flurries were coming down. It was snowing. I'm like, I got to get a vehicle. But in that summer, I also changed jobs and I hauled my roll cab <laughs> top and bottom in four trips on my motorcycle. <laughs> and so I had one time I got this big box and I put it in a hockey bag and that's what the actual tools went into. Put that on the back rack, drove, and went back for another load of tools, drove. Then I put the top chest on, drove. And we're talking about, a, I don't know, probably 50 or 60 kilometer distance. Like it was out of town. And then when I got the lower roll cabinet, <laughs> I put that on the on the back, back of my bike. If I wasn't sitting up on the gas tank when I took off, it just wheelied. Like it was so bad. And I did like 50 kilometers an hour. Oh, it was so bad. So I'm I'm a little more reserved now. I've hauled some stupid things on a bike, like South American style motorcycle travel. And I'm like, I'm not going crazy with it. But uh, mostly it's like, you know, you go like you buy some bolts or something and you can throw it in the back. You go get the mail. And then now I got a padlock I keep in there so I could put my leather gloves in there. You know, it's just kind of nice to to have a place to keep something. Even a hat for when I'm done on the motorbike and I want to put a hat on. Like I don't have to scrunch it up and stick it in my pocket. I can, you know, put it in the in the thing. And then um, the other night, not last night, the night before, I found a really good deal on, on an exhaust can for that bike. And uh, I just strapped it onto there. I mean, that wasn't heavy. It was like a five pounds. But it's kind of nice having the ability to carry stuff on a motorcycle. Yes. Oh, I'm obsessed with it, When man. I was driving my, either one of my, motorcycles I had back and forth to work. I mean, it's tough enough because I had a, you know, a, a business type job where I had to wear, a, you know, a coat and tie. So that's oh, hard yeah. enough. Yeah. On a Harley. And then uh, any you got to carry, you, you know, whatever work you have with you. So saddlebags were great. Um, I never wanted to move up to like a, a big heritage soft tail because if I was going to go that big, I was actually going to leave the Harley family and go to Honda and get a Goldwing because yeah. they're just so better balanced. And then I've driven, I've ridden three different Goldwings that were owned by friends of mine, and they were all in different, like, decades apart in how old they were. And they all drove pretty much the same, awesome, and I just fell in love with them. But, you know, yeah. so if I needed a bunch of, if I was traveling cross country, I would certainly do it on a Goldwing. But. Yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never ridden a Goldwing, um, but I was, I, I guess, so shocked at how balanced something that big is. Yeah, and smooth. When I've right? ridden a Harley that's that big, and you're like, ah, 
Yeah, yeah. It's, one, it's going to fall apart, and two, it's always trying to fall over. It doesn't matter yeah. what you're doing. You see, for me, like, I like motorcycles, and, and I like minimalist motorbike. I kind of like, first of all, the one thing I hate about motorcycles with too much plastic is I can't see the engine. Like sport bikes, I love them. I love the performance, but it drove me nuts because it's like, where's all the good bits? And I don't care if it's a utilitarian-looking engine and there's a radiator and you see the hose, and I want to see the beast, you know? That's why I really like the naked bike movement when it came out. But I'm, I look at the, the gold wings and I'm... I know there's they're not slow compared to cars like still fast and but I'm like oh t- to me they're getting so close to just being an automobile. When I see a Goldwing, I see uh, a Lincoln Continental or, yeah. or something. Well, like, like I just, said, if I was going across country, yeah, but that's what yeah, you buy a car. I'm, I'm I'm in my fifties. I'm taking a Goldwing. Yeah. If I was thirty, I would be on a stripped down uh, bike that I like. Uh, the Harley version of a cafe racer, you know? Yeah, yeah. A I would. Bike. Um, I know exactly the frame I would get, the engine I would put in it, every single part I would use, um, and it would be uh, super minimalist. Um, about the most custom thing on it would be a bigger gas tank. Yeah, you know? yeah. But. Um, I need that for my bike. But, you know, now I'm older, I got a bad back. And other a bunch of other bad parts on, you know, the '67 model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, here's one thing for you though. Where you stand on trikes? <sighs> All right. This is the following opinion is that of Todd and Todd alone. Okay. Not that of Jeremy nor Can Am Soup. <laughs> if it's for a handicapped individual or a chick, you know, I'm not gonna come I'm not gonna comment. But if it's a dude and you're on a trike and you're not handicapped, you should be. You got the right answer, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you passed my test. <laughs> oh, man. I, I do not understand the concept of a trike. No, I mean, it, I understand the concept yeah. from the first guy who invented it because he was handicapped. But Yeah, but why any able body, anybody, like freedom-loving person would be like, hey, let's get on a tricycle. <laughs> like, oh, oh, and then the people that I said... Oh, I'm tired of getting picked on because I have a trike, so I'll turn it around so there's yeah. two wheels up front. Yeah, um, that's a weird one. Okay, now you went from um, one adjective to another. <laughs> yeah. um, you've gone from sad old man to top-not douche. But yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but again, if a girl does it, that's pretty cool. I don't see any differentiation. Girl. Particularly if you're riding behind her. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't know, like you see these guys on these trikes and you know, they got the big sheepskin, which is fine. Whatever. They got the stereo and this is big, large vehicle. It's like, why don't you just get a convertible at that point? You know, like, cause then you don't have to wear a helmet. I don't know. I'm, I see these trikes and I'm like, I, I see trikes that want to be bikers. Like they'll take a Harley Davidson and trikeify it. 
or a Golding. I'm like, I'm sorry, you're not a motorcyclist. You're, you're not. Motorcyclists can lean in the turns. And that's one of the greatest things about a motorcycle. You gave that up. I mean, I think, I think uh, trikes are more cars than they are motorbikes. In fact, I would say 100% they are because they can't lean in the turns. Well, it's Anyways. a, it's a, it's a Walmart scooter that just <laughs> has a Harley engine in it. Yeah, or the guys right. that do the Volkswagens. It's like, oh no, come on! You just wrecked a Beetle, man! Like, turn it into a dune buggy for Pete's sake, but don't yeah. put in a trike. Now, Ugh. the one guy that we saw, uh, he he made a, a rail dragster, yep, into a trike. It's pretty cool. Now, it wasn't necessary. It wasn't ever going to go down the road. Um, it was meant for you know, quarter miles, in about seven seconds. But yeah, yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. But that's the only uh, cool uh, chit I'll give them. Everything else is just yeah, um, douche chill inducing. Yeah. Uh, so you know, with your back, like you can't ride a bicycle. Does that? Do you think you could ride a motorcycle or no? Same thing. And I'm gonna say no because I can't ride the motorcycle. I would ride. Oh, okay. You know, because it's gonna shake me to death. Yeah. Um, again, because I, 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 I love the Goldwing, but it's not a daily driver, in my opinion. Yeah. Not that maneuverable. It can be, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if I had one, I would want to take longer trips and then carry groceries or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Or have Danette on it. Yeah. And go places. Um, on the gold one, I could even put Benny on there. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. That's um, true. That looks cool. I always but, like seeing uh, guys with their dogs. Yeah. I mean, it's a family, it's a family motorcycle. Yeah. But, uh, I would want to, uh, my, my dream Harley and it would just shake me to death. So, yeah, yeah. Right on. Now I, I also like some crotch rockets, um, but those do kill me because how you have to, how you have to sit on them when you're doing 180. Yeah. Cause I don't believe in having a, you know, like a 1100 and doing 35 all the time. Yeah. Why did you have it? Just go buy a moped. Yeah. I know you have to use it when it's there. And when I had my crotch truck, I wasn't, I liked the top speed, but that wasn't my thing. And I remember at the time, you know, was Hayabusa had, uh, you know, 310 kilometer an hour when they governed it out and everybody's wanting to know which wire you snip in the black box to remove the governor. And then the, the Ninja 1200 came out and is challenging it for top speed and everybody's top speed. That never cranked me because I'm like, dude, I'd get up to about like 250 kilometers an hour. And I'm like, well, what about my chain? Like, is my chain good? What if that came off? <laughs> you know, but <laughs> I like the fact that I could do 125 kilometers an hour in first gear. So yeah. all I have to do is twist the throttle and I'm already passing cars. And when I can pull out in front of people and before they even have a chance to hit their brakes, I'm like, a, I'm a half a mile ahead of them and just leaving them in the dust. I love the acceleration of a sport bike, you know, and then you got the, the incredible stability at speed. It feels like it's bolted to the ground. And then the wheelies, you know, once you learn how to do wheelies, um, 
I think my best wheel I did was an 18 kilometer wheelie and uh, pulled it up in first gear, you know, stripped to second, third, fourth. And I could maintain a speed of the highway cruising speed, right? I could do 120, 130 kilometers an hour. I'd be going a little quick and I'd slow it down. I could go all the way down to 90, you know, just mm, it's all about balance. It's not about, you see these guys, the one gear wonders, <laughs> where they come off of light and they go, and their front tires have one foot off the ground until they run out of RPM. <laughs> you know, that's a guy doing that two days ago. No, Monday, when, when my car broke down, uh, we were leaving. And like, I'm like, oh, it's going to be good for about uh, maybe 400 meters. Oh, okay, he's done, <laughs> you know. But uh, here's a pro tip to anybody listening. You want to learn how to wheelie a motorcycle. Find the steepest hill that you can find. Like the 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 steeper the grade, the better it is, and you learn to wheelie going up that. Because when you reach your balance point, there can be a difference of like a foot as far as how far your tire is away from the pavement. And so, you know, if you're on flat and your balance point, your your front tire might be three feet in the air. Whereas if you get a super, super steep grade, and obviously it's not available to everybody, but you could only be like a foot and a half in the air and at your balance point. And it is the... The scariness of learning to wheelie just disappears completely. It's like, oh, wow, I barely give any throttle, comes up a foot and a half off the ground, and all of a sudden I feel the balance there. Unbelievable. That, like, I learned how to wheelie, like, actually do proper motorcycle wheelies in one evening because we found this massively steep hill and just, oh, there you go, yep. And then with those big four, you know, the four cylinders, the leader bikes, you have so much engine brake. If you end up going too far back, I never, ever would touch my rear brake. You just shut your throttle off, and it just slams that tire to the ground. But you find a big hill, boom, you're going to be wheeling in no time at all. Of course, I don't recommend doing it because it's highly illegal and you didn't hear it here, but not saying, just saying. I do it on private property. You pay taxes on the roads. You might as well use them. <laughs> no, I mean, that would, you know, that way you're not telling somebody to do something illegal. That's true. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I always like to pass people on the shoulder. And my wife's like, why do you do that? It's like, because I pay tax on that too. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't do Man, that either. You, your wife should be sainted. Yeah, she should actually. She <laughs> really should. Yeah, she's good. I, it, it dawned on me this morning that. She has to put up with Wait that. a minute. You used to live in a fifth wheel for a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. And then I realized, I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but actually how many children you have. Yeah. So she put up with you and the kids in a fifth wheel for that long. Two and a half years, yep. Yep, she should be saying it. Oh, absolutely. Just 100%. 100%. (laughs) I agree. I I agree. I wouldn't have put up with me as long as she's put up with me. So we're coming on 20 years here soon. Oh, wow. Yeah, in, uh, well, yeah, 20 years almost. Yeah, that's good. And uh, it's about 17 years since I had a bike. Because when I got married, I had one street legal motorcycle. And then that first summer, I ended up acquiring like three or four more. So, you know, a lot of guys say, oh, you get married, you get toys go. It was the opposite for me, man. I got all my toys back. Like, it was rad. At one time, we had five. Yeah, until I just crashed everything. And then, then once the, you know, once we had kids and my wife said, she's not going to ride anymore. And then all my bikes were like in pieces 
And uh, I came outside and I fired up my wife's bike. I was going to work. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to work, honey. She says, get off my bike. And I said, why? She goes, look at your bikes. Because the only reason my bike is still running is because you hadn't ridden it yet. So and that was about the last time I had a motorbike. But I tell you, man, oh, I'm obsessed with this. My, my new bike, I've got it. Like every time I ride, I just like, I like yell at the top of my lungs. I'm like, Yahoo! I'm like, oh, it's like, it's like, it's a waking this thing in me that's been sleeping for 15, 16 years. And I'm just like, oh, I feel like I was meant to ride motorbikes. Like that's, that's what I'm to do in life is to be a motorcyclist. Oh, I love it. I'm so stoked. So good. Yep. Yep. Got to keep yeah. it in check. Yeah. It's it's nice. Like, the only time I ride my bike, like, I'm, you know, I'm still a guy who realize, okay, you know, I, I'm married. I have four kids. Uh, I work. You know, when I have free time, I need to make sure I'm giving a significant amount of that to my family. And I've not known guys that, are like, every weekend they're off riding with their buddies, and I'm not doing that. It's like, you know, you know what, if, if I have to go to town and grab milk, boom, I'm going to grab my motorcycle. Because I can get a ride in. I would have taken my car. And the kids, I've always asked them, do you guys want to come? Nope. They, they'd rather stay home and be outside on their dirt bikes or something. So it's like either take a trip to town by myself in my car and get the milk. Or I can take my motorbike, you know, or running signs into town. It's like I can get a couple of signs on there. And I'm like, so that's my objective with this is that it, this isn't going to be its own thing. But it's just going to be like, ah, just kind of like interject a little bit of this, oh, this wild, this motorcycling you know, in fulfilling daily tasks. And I think it's, that's part of the reason why I bought the bike that I did too. You know, it's, it's a fun bike. It's a light bike. It's I'm not going to be spending hours in the saddle. And, uh, you know, if I want to see a back road, I want to take on the way there. Boom. I'll just go there. Fun stuff. Fun stuff. Yep. But anyways. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I got a car and parts that, well, I guess I got to go pick up the, CV axle, get that thing put together. I, I was amazed how easy that. I'm I'm absolutely blown away how small of a job that is doing the uh, CV axles on a Honda Civic. Like yeah. legit, I had the one side done in less than forty five minutes. I'm like, wow. Yeah, as long as you can get it, you know the suspension off the ground high enough, just you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just unbolt the uh, the hub and all that, move it out of the way, and pull it out, and good to go. And yeah. Yeah, just uh, as long as you have the right parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I pulled the passenger side out. I'm like, okay, cool. And I open up the box of the new one. I'm like, this has an internal spline. I need an external spline. So I guess that's the difference between a manual and an automatic. So I get that part done, and then I'll have my car back because it's been down for the count. Now, did you order the wrong part, or did they give you the wrong part? Or did they order the wrong they part? They ordered the wrong part. I just phoned them up. I told them my model, the engine. But I should have clued into this. I didn't tell him the transmission I had, and he never asked. That was their fault. Yeah. So, like, the, the driver's side is the same, whether it's a manual or automatic. And then the, what changes is the passenger side CV axle. So that was, I don't know. That just, that if I was paying attention, I'd have been like, but... you, you know, you need to know it's a five-speed. I would have asked that if I was, like, on it. But, like, I didn't. I missed it, too. But. Oh, well. And the good news is I, I think I threw the receipt away. I couldn't find the receipt because these guys are always good. I get a lot of parts from them. 
And I told him, I said, I threw the receipt away, though. He goes, no, I remember. You just bring it in. We'll just, we know how much you paid for it. We'll just give you a, a refund and, and just swap you straight across. So that's good. Man, almost an hour and a half already. Seems yeah. like we just started. I know, hey. Time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad our internet held out, though, because uh, in our pre-show, <laughs> my, my internet just died, like, kicked me off. I couldn't log in. I had to shut my computer down, had to turn our, our router off. and But it's actually been fairly uh, fairly event-free, so that's great. Yeah. I actually, uh, while we were talking pre-show, uh, I actually downloaded something just while we were talking to see if it affected it at all. Oh, okay. Nope. No, yeah, no, not at all. Nothing. Yeah, Mr. Gigabazillion Speed over there. <laughs> You know, today, um, this particular, my Windows desktop, I'm running Wi-Fi, but it's still a Windows desktop. Yep. 156 down. Wow. Is what it, this one was running. That's insane. Yeah. My, good uh, my iPhone is still running at anywhere from 200 to 220 down. That's insane. Yeah. And Ooh. one day last week, uh, no, this past week, day I found out about the gas, so Tuesday, um, my iPad Pro was doing 230 down, and get this, 250 up. Really? And I'm like, that's got to be a mistake. I reran it. It was doing it, but the next day it was back to normal, so about 212 down and about a hundred uh up that's crazy i, I just ran one 50 up can you imagine how fast you could put up a video good lord. oh yeah and like, uh and the live streaming you could do good lord oh yeah multiple cameras 4k i just ran a real quick speed test right here my download right now is 20.7 my upload is 14.4 so, like, when I load a YouTube video, like, say, yesterday's one, there's, like, a nine-minute video, uh, it's not full 4K. I, I, it's somewhere between, maybe around 2.7 or something. And I think that was, like, a 45-minute upload for me. And uh, sometimes our upload's, like, five. So, like, you could literally take, like, a full 4K 10-minute video and it, it probably upload in, like, a minute for you. Hey? Probably. I'm oh, going to try that because... Man. <clears throat> uh... And I'm not bragging because, you know, a month ago I was... Oh, you're bragging. One down, and a lot of times it wouldn't even test up. I was so slow. Yeah. You know, this is we just got fiber out here, and uh, it's because we called every month. Yeah, yeah. To speed them up, you know. Uh, anyway, I mean, now, I didn't get the installation I wanted because of the way the guy constructed the house. But that's fine. I'll just do it on my own. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but I got to find a good Chesterfield sofa and big screen TV for downstairs so I can sort that up my office, move all my uh, recording equipment down there yep. in the gun room. And uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be fun if we ever decide to do video recording. Hey. Oh, and I'd love to start doing that. Yeah. Uh, Throw it up on YouTube as well. Yeah, the, uh, the holdup is on my end now because I don't think I can do it. Because when I do yeah. Skype or Zoom calls, I it, it's so 
choppy and clunky, and then I turn my video off, and wow, that fixes it. So hopefully, well, I one can... of the one of the gun channels I I still subscribe to. I don't watch everything of his. Probably twenty percent of what he does, maybe. Uh, but he live streams every day. Hmm. His internet is so bad; he looks like <laughs> just a giant choppy pixel. That's funny. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you do this every day and make money yeah. when you can't? Anyway, that's funny. Funny, funny. Right he's on. one of those guys that he he. You never see the real him. He, mm -hmm. he has a character he plays, and that character is so, um, triggering. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the argument you're on today. Tomorrow he might trigger you. Really? So you never know. Um, and he's absolutely wrong about a couple of things. But he stays consistent with it. And he knows he's wrong. He has to. Yeah. Uh, he's not a dumb guy. Uh, and I think one of the reasons he does it is he knows people. Because he worked in the mental health field for a long time. Uh, and he was a police officer before that. So, uh, hmm. anyway. So, he knows how to trigger people. Yeah. And that's how you make money on YouTube sometimes. Yeah. One of the many ways, yeah. Either everyone on your channel has to love you or everybody has to hate you. Yeah. Because, uh, oh, God, what is her channel? That woman that lives in her truck, Morgan. I have no idea. Uh, she's got all kinds of followers, and all of them just despise this woman. Huh. Uh, I won't even attempt to repeat some of the stuff that's been on her comments. Those people should go to jail. Huh for commenting about what they want to do to her as huh. a group. And uh, I'm like, that's disgusting. Yeah. It's but, weird. Yeah. I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't checked comments on my simple life channel for about two weeks. And uh, my goodness, you know, I think, I don't know. I, I, when you get so many jerks and stuff, it could just makes you be like, screw it. Don't even care anymore. And, and, I'm at a hard point because I don't have a passion to make knife making videos anymore. And I, I'm trying to force it. Um, I'm hoping it works. If not, if, if it goes on much longer where I'm just like not into it. And I want to also try challenging like more complicated builds. I think I'm getting bored because I had all these orders and it's like, okay, let's make this knife for the 20th time. I can't film it because I've already showed this exact knife and I'm not expanding my skill set because I'm not pushing myself. I'm not myself. trying to lock fame folder. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have noticed, you know, I have noticed how to make folders. Like, I've got it and, and... Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, I've got steel from a celebrity and I'm... Make a folding knife? No. <laughs> I like Benchmade. I can buy one. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, uh, you've got Damascus from a celebrity that now has to make a wooden chair for views? I guess, I guess so. I guess I don't... I don't... I don't, oh, know. I don't so I feel funny. bad. I, I like he's he still follows me on Instagram. Um, and then every now and then he'll start commenting on stuff, and it's like, it's weird. Okay. I don't know. It's you weird. Know, yeah, yeah. You know. I have no clue. Like I don't follow him on any platform, so I don't know what he's doing, where he's at. I mean, I have no clue, but <laughs> whatevs. It's just funny to me. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just and it. Something you and I talked about a long time ago. I don't even think it was on a show. Uh, I, although we've, I have absolutely 
lambasted this guy uh, on the on the show, but something we talked about off the show actually happened, and it was so funny uh, that you know you're a YouTube channel that was so fascinating to watch mm-hmm. turned into something not watchable almost. And then, you know, to get his core audience back, he's going to have to go back to what he used to do. Uh, that never happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yep. So he went right back to, he didn't do it for long, but he went right back to the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And, but I, I did notice, oh, I'm going to live stream making bottle openers uh, as long as they sell, you know. Huh. Oh, my God. What a, what a sales whore. Yeah. Yep. Eh, whatever. That's right. Well, Todd, you're just jealous because no, I'm really not. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really not. Yeah. You know, the difference between me and somebody like that is I don't need that money that bad. I mean, can you use that money? Absolutely. Yeah. But do I need it? No. I don't need to whore myself like that. Yeah. And there's a difference between. Somebody who, let's say that um, buys cars, fixes them up, flips them. And that's their passion. They love doing it, right? Yeah. They've done it since they were 13 or 14. They're in their 40s now, and they're just rocking it. Yeah, or that's just an easy way for them to make some money because they're good at it. No, I mean, that's their passion. They're the best in the world at it. I'm just saying, that's the difference, you know, between – the guy that we're talking about and somebody like the car flipper is they're doing their passion. Yeah. And the money just comes along with it. It's not the money that they're after. It's the passion of building and selling cars. I want to be better at this than everybody else in the world. I want to make better cars than everybody else in the world. Yeah. And then you get this guy who's just, a hustler, I think, is what we used to call him. Does yeah. somebody will do anything for a buck? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess teach their own. I don't know. Yeah, he, he's doing good. I mean, he's like I said, I'm not going to wish he would lose it all. I would never say that. I, I wish him all the success in the world. Yeah. Just don't. Yes, I think the thing that I think, you know, what you and I maybe don't like or what we kind of have issues with is that it's it, at least from – like what I think, and I won't speak for you, but from what I think you think, is that it started differently, right? It it wasn't, or it wasn't so obvious that that's all he's okay. He's literally just trying to make money. He's trying to make as much money as he possibly can. He is first and foremost a businessman. Whereas I thought it was like, hey, this guy's, you know, he wants to teach people. He's interested in this craft, and he really wants just to share what what he's learning. And I I think it's less about that, and it's more about I need more views. Views, 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 money, 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 money. You know what I mean? And so I think that's where I'm kind of like a little bit, whatever. I thought he was, I I thought, and and I might be totally wrong, but from what I've seen from the tastes that I have in my mouth, it's like, yeah, you know what, this, it's not what I thought it was. Correct. And that's that's why it's like, yeah. You know what, if I'd known, say, hey, I'm starting this channel and all I want to do is make as much money as I can on YouTube and I want to sell as much product as I can, that is my prerogative from day one. This is where I'm at. Here you go. 
And if I had known that, I'd be like, man, this guy's killed it. I, this is so great. I love seeing his success. But I thought it was like, hey, I want to teach you how to do this. Here's how we can do it. Let's do this, you know. And, yeah, but- it started with, I'm a guy of a very young age that learned blacksmithing from a world-renowned blacksmith. And yeah. now I want to take you on the journey as I grow, as a blacksmith. And I think it did start there. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. That's how it started. And yeah. then something took a left turn in Albuquerque. Yeah. You know? uh, and then it was all money, 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 money. Yeah. Right. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. And I'm like, mm, no. Yeah. I hear you. But a really good channel that I just discovered, something I'll shout out to, is Vcore. V-E-H-C-O-R. Um, he does just repair videos and rebuild videos, gets a wrecked car, flips it, you know. Uh, cool. Uh, funny, funny, funny. Huh. His humor, his dry humor is off the chart. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I'll put that uh, V-Core. If, uh, can you send me the link and I'll put that in the show notes? We, we don't do much yeah. for show notes on this podcast, but we'll try. Now, what was my recommendation again? Oh, was it Meat Eater? No. Yeah, the Meat Eater podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I'll put that. Yeah, that's right. Because I'm gonna help out, help out their listenership. <laughs> yeah. You know they're working so hard at it. Bless them. Bless their souls. They they deserve a few more followers. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a leg up. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, I should get to work. I gotta fix my car. I gotta fix a aerator I borrowed from my dad. I broke, uh, bent a tine, so I gotta straighten it out. And he's coming to pick it up today. Oh, yeah, that's another exciting thing. My, my parents got home uh, so two weeks ago, and then my oh, mom cool. my mom was in her quarantine hotel and then had to I, quarantine at home for two weeks. So we're actually going over. That was her two weeks was over yesterday, so we're actually going over for a barbecue tonight. So that'll be good. I haven't seen my parents for seven months. Oh, my mom. Uh, I bet the kids are excited. Oh, yeah. My dad actually came with me to pick up my car. I didn't ask him to. He goes, oh, let's go together. My dad's got a beautiful car hauling trailer, like enclosed, <laughs> tie downs in the floor. And I said, so we literally had my car in and strapped down in less than 10 minutes. I thought, man, I could be a good thief with this trailer. <laughs> you know, it's quite, we, we, I'm heading down the road with a car. Nobody can even see what type of car it is because it's covered. But yeah, so I better get that fixed before he comes and picks it up. It was a good yeah. talking with you, Todd. Oh, absolutely. I enjoy every week. Yeah, I look me too. forward to it. I think our listeners do too. <laughs> yes, all nine of them. Yeah. Is it nine now? Oh, I have no clue. I, I, I said I wasn't going to look at least for the first year because it would just be depressing. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think every episode we're getting like, I don't know, 20 downloads or something. I, I, don't know. I did. I, uh, <clears throat> the guy that came and installed the internet, um, I asked him, like, hey, you know, because uh, he mentioned something about the uh, recording equipment. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do a podcast, and that's why I'm excited to get high-speed internet. He's like, oh, really? What's it about? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys talking. And uh, he really was, I mean, his eyes lit up. He's like, really? Like, yeah, it's a conver- It's like eavesdropping on a conversation at the, you know, at while you're having lunch, you know, or at yeah. work, you're eavesdropping over two guys that's having a talk. 
about whatever's on their mind. He's like, oh, I love that kind of thing. Huh. And I told him about the podcast. Maybe he listened, maybe he didn't. Um, yeah. But. Right on. Well, this <clears throat> estimated subscribers <laughs> says here we've got five. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. But well, we've got like I'm one of them, so. 160. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that's estimated. So I think they have a hard time knowing exactly, but. 169 all-time app downloads mm-hmm. so that's not bad so people are at least checking it out maybe they're not fully subscribed yet but that'll come anyway that's not why we do this we just do it because it's fun to chat with each other it's an excuse oh, absolutely. yeah right on yeah i mean we call well, it a everybody for podcast. listening that way uh you know two guys having an hour-long call every week you know we're you know our wives don't call us their wives <laughs> Well, no, we're recording a a podcast. We're not gossiping. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. All right there, Todd. Will you have yourself a good day? All right. You too, man. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you all. We'll see you again next week.